You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church of Savannah. A sermon from our series entitled Walk by Faith. For more information, visit us at cbcsavannah.com. You may be seated. I want to thank you so much for the opportunity to be back at Community Bible Church here in Savannah. I had the privilege of coming here um, five or six years ago. And uh, it was at that time that your church began partnering with uh, our family as missionaries with Gospel Link. And uh, on behalf of my family, I want to say thank you to your church so much. I wish that my wife and kids could all be with me today. Um, but also, you began partnering with, I believe, five of our Gospel Link national preachers, which I'll give you an update uh, on them here toward the end of the message this morning. So I just want to say thank you so much for your church. Praise God for what he's doing at CBC Savannah, this wonderful city, beautiful area, humid area, humid region down here. I feel like I've lost pounds just being out at my table on the street there. It's almost like Vietnam, but it's, it's welcomed, okay? It's, I've enjoyed it, so it's not a complaint at all. I want to thank you so much. My family and I, we live in uh, Indiana, that's a picture of us, my wife and I, celebrated 30 years of marriage on June 4th, and uh, amen, thank you. Uh, we have six kids, uh, ages 27 down to 14 and 12. Our two youngest are adopted from Vietnam. We adopted them 12 years ago. If you want to know more about our kids, I'll give you my wife's phone number, and you can pull up a chair, and she'll be glad to tell you all about them, okay? I have the privilege of representing a missions organization called Gospel Link. And our vision is advancing the gospel through national preachers. And the title of my message this morning is Reaching the Back Rows. And I hope that you'll be encouraged today, and I hope that you'll be challenged today on a personal level. And uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, I want us to take a look at the Great Commission. If you didn't know, this is considered the Great Commission, a Barna poll that was released recently showed that uh, the majority of professing believers in America did not know the Great Commission, didn't know it's found here, and, and uh, I just find that hard to believe. So hopefully that's not the case here. Matthew 28, this is Jesus' final command that he left with us, and the very fact that it was his final command ought to alert us to the priority of this Great Commission. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority is given in heaven and on earth, or has been given to me. Go therefore, verse 19, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Before we jump into the message, one thing I forgot, if you did not receive a brochure this morning when you came in, I want to make sure all of you have one of these in your hands, as I'll refer to it during the message, and to take home with you. I don't know if we have a couple guys back there that could help. Uh, did, did anyone not receive a brochure? Just lift your hand up. We'll be glad to, to make sure that you get one. It looks like everybody's pretty well covered. Very good. Thank you so much. C.S. Lewis once said what's on the screen. He said... A Christian's faith is always personal, but never private. Always personal, but never private. And when we come to the Great Commission, 
We need to be reminded this morning that Jesus and his divine prerogative could have chosen to fulfill the Great Commission on his own if he wanted to. I mean, Jesus is the second person of the Godhead, right? Jesus created the universe. He, the Psalm tells us that he created the stars with the breath of his mouth. And Colossians 1 tells us that he is currently sustaining all things, that he's holding everything together. All things are upheld by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, those are no small feats by any stretch of the imagination. And if he wanted to complete the Great Commission solely on his own, he could have done that. But that wasn't his plan. His plan is to use you and to use me. Disciples making disciples. And we know that discipleship really begins with the good news of the gospel message. One of the very first things Jesus taught his disciples in Matthew 4.19 was, follow me, in other words, be my disciple, and I will make you to become, do you know how that ends? Make you to become what? That's right, fishers of men. You'll be fishing for people. Okay, spiritually speaking. So I want to share with you this morning three things from the Great Commission. And one is the priority of the Great Commission. The priority of the Great Commission. You know, as I mentioned, this was Jesus' final command. This was really his last words that he gave us on this earth. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, You will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then what happened to Jesus? He ascended to the right hand of the Father. So, again, this was his last command. And, and it indicates to us this morning, it's a reminder what our Lord is passionate about. Because the final words that a person issues on this earth indicates what their priority is. For example, P.T. Barnum of Barnum Bailey Circus. His final words on this earth were, how were the receipts today at Madison Square Garden? Money, evidently, ticket sales were a priority to him. That's what he was passionate about. And when we see Jesus turn to his disciples and turn to us, his church, and say, go and make disciples of all nations. Mark 16, 15 tells us, go and proclaim the gospel to all creation. We get a glimpse into the heart of God. What is our Heavenly Father passionate about? And I know it's what your church is passionate about, right? Making his glory known. Making the gospel known to the people right here in Savannah and to the ends of the earth through your missions endeavors. I trust that this is what your priority and passion is individually and as a family as well. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China, once said that the Great Commission is not an option for us to consider. Rather, it's a command for us to obey. God wants his glory to be made known. 2 Peter 3, 9 says that God is not willing that any should perish. And it starts with our neighbors right here in Savannah, my case, Indiana, and extends to the ends of the earth. The people like these in Cambodia who desperately need to hear the gospel. These people need to know that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. This little girl in Vietnam needs to know that Buddha will not save her. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's that great name of Jesus that we sang about earlier this morning. And Jesus said in John 4, 35, he says, lift up your eyes and see the fields that are white for harvest. In other words, see the people around you and their needs. And the implication in this verse is that our eyes are often on other things. 
Our eyes are often on the things of this world or temporal things that we're missing sometimes. I know I do as I go through life each day. I miss what's really important, and that is the people around me. You know, secular companies can be very passionate about getting their product out to as many people as possible. For example, Coca-Cola. Where is Coca-Cola based? Atlanta, that's right. Coca-Cola, many years ago, had a very simple mission statement, and it simply said, a can of Coke in the hand of everyone on the face of the earth. Everyone on the face of the earth by the year 2000. Now, has Coca-Cola been at least somewhat successful in completing their mission statement? They have been. If you've traveled anywhere in the world, you know it's, it's hard to go anywhere and not have access to a Coca-Cola. The first time I was in Africa was 11 years ago. I'd been to other countries doing short-term missions work, but this was the first time I had just joined Gospel Inc. and was on a jet to Africa. And I was there with another Gospel Inc. representative, Willie Hunter. And Willie and I were in the southern African country of Mozambique. And one of our objectives was to go out into the bush and preach the gospel to the, to the local people and also to meet with some prospective gospel and church planters. So our van driver took us off of the paved road onto a dirt road. And we zigged and zagged and drove for about two hours out into the bush. Willie had been to Africa many times doing missions work. And he told me later, he said, Pete, I think that's the most remote place I've ever been to. And by the time we finally got to our destination, it was pitch dark. They stopped the vehicle, they got us out of the van and took us to what would be our lodging for the next couple nights. And it was a little mud hub, thatched roof there in the bush of Mozambique, Africa. And Willie and I, he's tall and handsome like me, and we had to duck and go into this little hut. That was a joke, so <laughs> thanks for laughing. And uh, there was a candle there to, burn, uh, to welcome us. The candle was burning. It was kind of like Motel 6. They left the light on for us in this little hut. And so Willie and I are sitting there just enjoying the moment. You know what they brought out and offered to us that night as a welcoming gift? Bottles of Coca-Cola. I said, Willie, we've got to get a picture of this. I mean, I have no idea where we are. I just know we're in the bush of Mozambique somewhere. And there's Coca-Cola. And I thought to myself later, if a soft drink company can be so committed to a simple mission statement, how much more committed should I be to the great commission of my Lord Jesus Christ, of taking the gospel, starting with my neighbors, and extending through missions endeavors around the world to people who so desperately need to hear the gospel? Secondly, this morning is the people of the great commission. The people of the Great Commission. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 28 there that we are to go to all nations. The word nations in the original Greek language is ethne. And I believe if you study this passage, you'll find out Jesus is talking about not just the 200 or so countries in the world, but all the ethne, the, the people groups, the ethnic groups of people within those countries, as defined by things like culture, race, language, etc., for example, did you know that in India alone there are over 2,300 people groups in that vast country of India? I was in India a while back, and uh, our Gospel Link National Director there, we were eating a meal there in Madurai, India, and he looked at me and he said, Pete, do you realize there are 458,000 villages in India that have no gospel witness whatsoever? The needs are vast just in India. In Vietnam, where my wife and I adopted from, there's 54 different 
ethnic minority people groups. And it's a reminder to us this morning, folks, that the gospel is good news, not just to us here in America, but to every people group around the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves all the children of the world. I have some good news I want to share with you this morning. Proverbs 25, 25, like cold water to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. How many of you like good news? Even up in the balcony, you guys can raise your hands up there, okay? We don't get much good news on CNN today, do we? Not even Fox News, we don't get much good news. Here's some good news. God is building his church around the world. And in many places, the church is, the church is thriving. For example, in China, communist China, Voice of the Martyrs estimates that there may be as many as 100 million believers today in communist China. That's good news from a far country. Places like Mongolia, remote Central Asian nation in Mongolia. Listen, 25 years ago, in Mongolia, there were five evangelical churches in the whole nation. Today, there are over 800 evangelical churches and over 100,000 Christians in Mongolia. That sounds like an uttermost part of the earth, Mongolia. How about Iran? That sounds like a tough mission field, and it is, I'm sure. A lot of persecution with believers there in Iran. How many of you remember the hostage crisis back in the late 70s? Would you raise your hand? That, that kind of dates us more mature folks, that's been a long time ago. But in 1979, the Ayatollah vowed to crush Christianity in Iran. At that time, there were about 500 Christians in the whole nation of Iran, 500. But God has been drawing Muslims to Christ by the thousands. Today, there's over one million estimated believers in the nation of Iran. Books are being written about church growth in Iran. Author Joel Richardson says, Iran has the fastest growing church on the face of the earth, 20% growth per year. How ironic that the Ayatollah said he was going to crush Christianity. Today it's the fastest growing uh, church by nation on the face of the earth. See, the Ayatollah didn't understand. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Places like Nepal. I could share a lot of statistics with this morning. Us missionaries, we like to share statistics, okay? Most of us. But Nepal, 1952, first church in Nepal was established with 29 believers. Today, there's over 850,000 Christians in the nation of Nepal. Good news from a far country. Gospel Inc. is the missions organization that I have represented for 11 years. And we're all about making disciples and planting churches. Churches like this one in Lusaka, Zambia. I helped to plant this church several years ago. Churches like this one in Vietnam, rural Vietnam, this is a Hmong tribal church, one of those 54 different tribal groups that I mentioned earlier. Listen, pray for Vietnam. Vietnam is one of the countries that we're working in. It's it, along with Cambodia, are my focus for Gospel Link, Southeast Asia programs there. Uh, my wife and I were just there in June and heard great stories of what God is doing in these places from our national preachers. Vietnam is a communist country. Vietnam is uh, one of the 1040 windows nation in the world. If you know what that means, it's one of the least reached nations in the world as the 1040 uh, window is defined. But God is doing great things in Vietnam. Children are coming to Christ. And I just want to share with you some ministry pictures by way of encouragement. Children receiving Christ into their lives. The preacher's name is Nguyen Dang. Elderly people are coming to know the Lord. This is 
uh, 84-year-old devout Buddhist, and I'd like to share her story with you. Her name is Mrs. Fung, the lady in the pink there. Uh, the man in the white is Huynh Hu is his name. He's a gospel preacher in Vietnam. Huynh Hu and his outreach team went to Mrs. Fung's village one day to share the gospel in her village, just going from house to house, sharing about the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ, making his name known. They came to Mrs. Fung's house, a devout Buddhist. All of her children and grandchildren live with her, which is common in that culture. And so they went in and they began sharing the gospel with her and her kids and grandkids. And as a devout Buddhist, she understood what they were doing. And so his report says she began going around the house saying, glory to Buddha, glory to Buddha, just trying to disrupt them. Well, they just kept sharing the gospel. And when they were finished, all of her children and grandchildren bowed their heads and received Christ into their lives. Amen. Wonderful thing. But they left her house that day with a burden for Mrs. Foon. So about three weeks later, he says, after much prayer, uh, they went back to Mrs. Foon's village. And they came to her house, and he says that this time she welcomed them in with a warm handshake. So they wondered, what is going on with Mrs. Foon? And she says, I'm so glad that you came back. I've wanted to thank you for sharing what you believe with my children and grandchildren. She said, they're like different people now. They now treat me with more love and respect than they ever had before. That's the transforming power of the gospel. And they took the opportunity to share Christ with Mrs. Foon. This time she listened very intently. And when they were finished, she bowed her head, repented of her idolatry, and put her faith in Jesus Christ. And as they were preparing to leave, Mrs. Fung said, wait a minute, can you and your men take down these Buddhist idols and wall hangings out of my home? Amen. That's a sign of repentance, right? It's like the book of Acts. And they said, we'd be glad to do that. Those things need to get out of here. And his report says it took them nearly two hours to remove those things from her house. And that's a picture of some of the guys taking those things down. This time, instead of saying glory to Buddha, Mrs. Fung was going around the house saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Because now she's worshiping the one true and living God, that great name that we sang about earlier, Jesus Christ. This is a former Buddhist monk being baptized in a rice paddy in Vietnam. This is Dang Toy, a gospel preacher in Vietnam. He's a former police officer for the Vietnamese government. He used to arrest Christians, put them in prison, and confiscate their Bibles. He would take those Bibles home with him. Let me ask you, what do you think he began doing with the Bible? You got it. He began reading the Bible. God works in mysterious ways sometimes. And I couldn't wait to get back to Vietnam. The next time I went, I asked him through our translator, why did you begin reading the Bible? I mean, here is an atheistic, communistic police officer persecuting believers. And he looked at me and he said, because of the courage that I saw in the people that I was arresting. He said, I had to find out what makes these people so brave in the face of persecution and even imprisonment. He had to find out what, what do these people believe, you know? What a great testimony of our brothers and sisters in Christ just standing strong in their faith, halfway around the world in the face of persecution. I want to encourage you to pray for the persecuted church. Hebrews 13:3 tells us to do that. And this leveraged a great impact in the heart of this police officer, Dang Toy, and eventually he 
came to Christ, was born again, and received training, and began taking the gospel to people in Vietnam, baptizing Christians like this lady in this barrel. How would you like to be baptized in a barrel? You may never get out of that thing, right? It's like, where'd she go? She's not coming up. I hope you're encouraged by some of these things. The Lord is building his church just like he said he would. 23 new Christians prepared for baptism in rural Vietnam. Here is a group of Hmong people being led to Christ. The preacher there is Dung Dia. That's him in the cap leading these Hmong tribal people to Christ. Listen, as late as 1988, the Hmong tribal group was a completely unreached people group. No Christians. Today, there's over 400,000 Christians amongst the Hmong. And again, this is all within a communist context in Vietnam. I want to share with you some bad news this morning. We've got to get to this, but it breaks my heart every time I share it. There are three billion people in the world today that have yet to hear the gospel for the first time. As much as the church is growing, as much as unreached groups are being reached, there are still a huge number. That's three billion too many. Amen? Who have yet to hear the gospel. And like I said, we like to share these big statistics, us missionaries. How do you get your mind around three billion people? Let me put a face to that statistic. This is a 12-year-old little girl. I do not know her name. I did not get that. But our missions team was traveling from Saigon to the Vietnam-Cambodian border to visit a house church. And about two hours into the trip, our van driver pulled over uh, for a little roadside potty break, okay, and uh, at a coffee shop there in rural Vietnam. And uh, us Americans, when we go to some of these cultures, we really stand out because we're tall and we're white and we're blonde-headed, bald-headed, whatever, and uh, our team piled out of the van and this little girl curiously kind of meandered out of the coffee shop to check us out and Amy, one of our translators, got down on one knee and got to her level and tried to converse with her a little bit and Amy turned to me and I remember like it was yesterday and she said, Pete, this little girl has never heard the name of Jesus. Not has never heard the gospel clearly, but has no idea who Jesus is. And as I stood there under that hot tropical sun that day, I just couldn't help but think, how many people are there just in Vietnam who have never heard the name of Jesus? What does it mean to be unreached? Let's put our feet in the shoes of an unreached person. If you're unreached, that means that you do not currently have access to the gospel. If we would let that sink in, man, that would burden us, would it not? These people don't have access to the gospel. In other words, you don't likely even know it exists. Either you've never heard the name of Jesus, or if you have, you know very little about him. And you don't know any Christians, not even one. You've never met anyone who knows the truth about Christ. If you're unreached, it means you don't have access to Christians, nor to the gospel, and unless something changes, you will likely be born, live, and die without ever hearing the gospel. That's what it means to be unreached. Theologian Carl F. Henry once said, the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. And that's why Jesus said, Jesus said in Luke 10 too, the harvest is plentiful, 
but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And church, listen, Jesus said, he's commanding us, pray earnestly that God would send laborers to these people with the gospel message. The pray earnestly there literally, it, it means to beg God, to beseech God. It denotes desperation. Why? Because these people are a heartbeat away from eternity, separated from Christ. They need the opportunity to hear the gospel. Someone once said, why should anyone hear the gospel twice when not everybody has heard the gospel once? Listen, we're blessed to live in America. That's a good place for an amen. We're blessed to live in America, amen? As many problems as this country has, it's a great nation. It's a great nation. If you, any of you, how many of you have ever traveled to a third world country? I'm just curious. I ask this a lot. Wow, a lot of you have. So uh, you and hopefully all of us understand that we are a blessed people. We're blessed. I mean, we have the freedom to worship God publicly here without fear of persecution. We have access to the gospel. We have God's word. We have good churches, great churches like this one all throughout America that we can go to and learn how to be disciples and how to make disciples. Listen, we're blessed financially. Relatively speaking, we are a very wealthy people. Did you know that if you make $25,000 a year, you make more than 90% of the world's population? If you make $50,000 a year, you make more than 99% of the world's population. Go to globalrichlist.com. Find out where you stand according to your income. Did you know that nearly half of the world's population lives on less than $2 a day? I mean, how do we even fathom that here? Half the world's population lives on less than $2 a day. We're blessed. I like refreshing my mind on that stuff because it, it squelches complaint in my life a lot, you know, when I'm tempted to complain about things. Now, this is how much of the rest of the world lives. Listen, the first time I went to Africa, I contracted malaria. This has been 11 years ago. And I'd been home from Africa a couple weeks. My family and I were in Niles, Michigan, Buchanan, Michigan, at Life Action Family Camp. And I started getting symptoms, flu-like symptoms. And uh, it would cycle, you know, I'd get better and then I'd get worse, get better, get worse, which is what malaria does. And after about three days of symptoms when I realized this is not the flu, this is something very different. As a blessed American, I had my wife drive me to the Niles Hospital. I saw a competent doctor. I got a proper diagnosis. It was malaria. It was the second case of malaria this hospital had ever seen. The other person died, and that's not very encouraging when they tell you that in the emergency room. <laughs> but for a $40 prescription at the local pharmacy and the help of God, of course, I'm here today. And I had to ask God as I was recovering from that, Lord, why me? Not why did I get malaria, but why have you chosen to heal me? Why am I blessed so much? I found out through all of that that one million Africans die every year of malaria. That every 30 seconds a child dies of malaria. That's so sad, is it not? And preventable disease. And here I am, you know, why am I not like one of those Africans? You know, Acts chapter 17, verse 26 tells us, that God is sovereign even in the area of demographics. In other words, that God has put us in this country where we live at this time and has blessed us with, for a purpose. I mean, we're not blessed with all that we have just by random chance. 
And it's a reminder, Jesus said in 1248, everyone to whom much was given of him will be much required. Um, I like to illustrate it this way, if I can come down on the floor level. I jumped down on the first service. <laughs> I'm going to try it again, okay? I'm getting old. My bones are a little brittle. Maybe I should, I'm getting scared, okay. All right. John chapter 6 is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Remember that account? And Jesus had the people uh, sit in an orderly fashion in rows that, that was very organized. Let's imagine this scenario, because this is how I liken it to how it is in the world today. The disciples come with their baskets, and Jesus fills them with fish and loaf. And they go to distribute to the people there. And they go down row one, distributing the fish and loaves, down row two. Let's say their baskets run out, so they come back to the Lord of all creation. He fills their baskets again. It was an amazing miracle. And let's imagine this scenario. It didn't happen this way, but if it did, let's say they don't go back to row three. They're going to go back down row one. Anybody want seconds? You guys nod. Okay, help me out here. Okay. Down row two. Anybody want seconds? Let's say their baskets run out again. And they come back, and Jesus fills their baskets. And sure enough, they don't go back to row three. They go back down row one. Do you guys want thirds? Anybody want thirds? If that's how it had been, and you were sitting in the back rows, what would you do? That's right. It's <laughs> a good answer. Move to the front. Right. You would at least stand up and say, hey, Jesus, please send your disciples back here with some of that bread. Just because they're in the back rows doesn't make them less important. It makes them a lot more hungry in that scenario. That's how I liken it to the world today. I mean, I don't know why God has chosen to put me on the front rows of America, so to speak. I don't deserve it, but I'm thankful. Aren't you thankful? It's just hard to keep in mind that there are people on the back rows. It's easy to forget that there are three billion people back there who have yet to have the bread of life passed back to them. So what is the solution? I want to share with you in the remaining time this morning what Gospel Link is doing to help link the resources of Americans and the relationship of Americans to the church in third world countries to help get that bread back to those unreached people in the back rows. Our model is working through national preachers. We're still behind sending U.S. missionaries to the field, but what is a national preacher? A national preacher is someone who is a native missionary. He's reaching his own people with the gospel, planting churches in his home country. For example, a gospel link preacher that's serving in Zambia, for instance, one of our countries, planting churches in Zambia. Where was he born and raised? Where? Zambia, that's right. In Zambia, okay, he's reaching his own people. And there's a lot of advantages to doing missions that's, that way, which we'll get to in just a minute. Leads us to our final point this morning, the partnership in the Great Commission. The partnership in the Great Commission. Would you consider partnering with a national preacher? You can help send a laborer to the back rows by leveraging some of your resources to have great impact on the mission field. Consider becoming a Gospel Link sponsor through your prayer support and financial support. If you would take your brochure out just for a moment. On the inside it talks about why are we using national preachers we train them, we assist them, we secure support for them. Why? And then the selection process and the accountability structure and so forth. 
But on the back part of your form, this, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I want you to understand what GospelLink is doing, kind of give you a flyover of our sponsorship program. We are currently partnering with around 1,300 national preachers in 14 different nations. These preachers all have sponsors in America, just like you and your family, that pray for them and give a little bit of their resources so they can be in the gospel ministry in their country. Okay? All of our 1,300 nationals that we're partnering with receives five sponsorships. So stay with me on this, okay? Five sponsorships for them to be fully sponsored. Three of those five is what's at the top of the uh, types of uh, partnerships and also on the screen. It's the ministry sponsorship. They get $40 a month for each ministry sponsorship. We had a few people after the first service came to the table and said, I would like to do a ministry sponsorship. It's $40 a month. And as long as the preacher is in gospel uh, ministry, planting churches in his home, and as long as you're able to, that's an ongoing commitment to support him as a native missionary. But they get three of those, okay? That allows him to be full-time so he's not farming or doing some other work to provide for his family. In addition to that, he gets one $30 a month outreach sponsorship. That's devoted to evangelism. You can read in your brochure more about that. And then finally, he gets a very important $20 a month training sponsorship. It's devoted to bettering the preacher's ministry, getting him to training events that we do in his country, uh, also to help disciple new believers that he's led to Christ. So for as little as $20 a month, you can have a very important part in partnering with a national preacher. If you total those five sponsorships, it's $170 a month for one of our gospel-linked preachers to be fully sponsored. And that's a fraction of what it costs to send a foreign missionary to the field. Who can sponsor a national preacher? This list gives you some ideas. Most of our sponsors are individuals and families all across America who have adopted their own uh, native missionary and uh, pray for them and, and uh, read their reports every quarter and correspond with them. Here's some advantages of working through nationals. Nationals have a citizenship advantage. So this is the indigenous model doing missions. This is our national director in Cambodia for Gospel Inc. His name is Sim Mien, and that's his wife Sharon and their two daughters. They live in Phnom Penh. He oversees our training, he oversees our funds distribution, our uh, reporting from our preachers that goes to the sponsors, uh, oversees our accountability structure and all of that. But he's a citizen of Cambodia, okay? He doesn't have to get a passport or a visa, he's there. Cultural advantage. How many of you have ever been to a foreign country at all, third world or not? Would you raise your hand? That's amazing, many of you, most of you. Uh, things are very different in some of these countries, especially third world nations. Housing is different. Showers in Mozambique, Africa are different. It's interesting trying to take a shower in one of those when you're as tall as I am. Insects in Vietnam are very different than here. Modes of transportation. Street scenes are different. That's not Savannah, okay? That's Saigon, the city of motorbikes. Food is very different. If you can see, that's raw squid that was served to my son Trey and I when we were there on a missions trip in Vietnam one time. And Trey didn't think that was very appetizing. <laughs> that's culture shock right there. But seriously, nationals are used to that culture, they like that food, they have a distinct advantage. My hat goes off to U.S. missionaries that go to those fields and have to adapt to the culture. Also, nationals have a linguistic advantage, so track with me here, they don't have to learn the language, go to language school, they already speak the language. 
They have a time advantage and a really distinct economic advantage. You know, the U.S. dollar leverages incredible impact in a third world economy through a native missionary. This is a group of our national preachers in Zambia, Africa, at the Bible College that Gospel Link has there. Um, they all have sponsors that pray for them and support them. Uh, if you can't tell, I'm the one on the back on the right there. The big picture is that Gospel Link started 20 years ago with one preacher, and by the grace of God, we are now partnering with close to 1,300, and there's, there are more that are qualified, and, and uh, their applications have been approved, and they, need, they just need a partner in ministry. So, some ways to respond as I wrap up this morning. First of all, you can go on a short-term missions trip. If you're interested in going to Southeast Asia, uh, please let me know out at the table uh, following the service. I'd be glad to uh, keep you connected via email on updating uh, upcoming trips. Or if you want to go to Africa, our other representatives take teams to Zambia and Tanzania and all kinds of countries in Africa. I'd be glad to talk to you about that. Another way that you can respond is church referral. And if you look at your response card on the back again, I mean, I would love for each of you just to put your name and contact info there. And if you want to receive our uh, magazine, just check that or however God might have you to respond and just tear that out along the perforation and hand it to me out at the table after the service. Uh, that would be great. But if you could refer me to a church or two, that's the bottom part of the response form. Uh, any church you've been connected to in the past, either here in Georgia, anywhere in the United States. I had several of these come in after the service. That's a great way to help our ministry and to get exposure for the nationals and really advocate for the unreached people around the world. Uh, so feel free to do that by all means. And then if you would like to sponsor a national preacher, uh, there's a section there where you can check one or more of those boxes. And, and uh, we had several folks who want to do just a full preacher for 170 a month. They said, we can do that. That's no problem. And uh, that's such a blessing. We had others do others. And there's still profiles out there on my table of uh, preachers that need sponsored, profiles that look like this. Uh, so when you come out, you can just, uh, as the Lord leads you to, if you want to just tear that form off and hand it to me and tell me what you want to do, that's all I need today. If you would like to pick out a card that's on the table, uh, this one's from Cambodia, for example, uh, I can help you do that as well. So you do as the Lord leads this morning in regards to uh, sponsorship. But that list on the screen gives you the countries that we're serving in. Uh, one neat thing about this model is that it, uh, it uh, really keeps the church in America mobilized. It helps families to stay engaged in global missions. Every quarter you get a report from your preacher and occasional photos. And so you can correspond with your preacher as well through our national office in Virginia. Here are your churches, five preachers that you are partnering with through Gospel Link. Four of them are in Cambodia and one is in Kazakhstan. So I just want to give you a real quick update, share a story, and then I'll be finished this morning. Your church, out of your church budget, your missions budget, is sponsoring uh, this preacher fully. That's Sai San in Cambodia. This preacher is Kun Sok in Cambodia. This one is Vinny Lang. Uh, this was just taken last month when we were there. He's in Cambodia. This is Keo Sarai in Cambodia. And this is uh, Dimitri, er, Dimitri Pashenko in Kazakhstan. So those are your five CBC missionaries that you're fully supporting overseas through Gospel Lane. Now I want to give you some encouraging uh, update here on the ministry of these five. Cumulatively, in 2017, our home office did some research on these five based on their reports. 2017, 12-month period, a cumulative total, these five 
started nine churches in their respective areas, and they led 752 people to Christ in 2017. So praise the Lord for that. Amen. And I wish I could have brought them all with me somehow in the rental car that I have. You know, they could stand here and just say thank you for your giving to your church and your missions programs here. I want to close this morning with an encouraging story from Vietnam. This preacher's name is Mang Nia, and that's his wife and their children there, and that's a motorbike that was provided by a donor here in America. Motorbikes are valuable in Vietnam because they get the gospel out into the rugged terrain a lot faster than on foot or on bicycle. The preacher says this, one day as I was traveling home from my son's school, I saw a man lying on the sidewalk with his hand in the air as if he needed something. So here's the scene, you've got a busy street in Vietnam, and you've got a man laying on the sidewalk, and he's got his hand up in the air like he's in need. And people are just passing by. But Magnia, because he understands the priority of the Great Commission and the people that we should be targeting, people that need the gospel, he pulls his motorbike over. He says, I stopped my motorbike, and I bought a bowl of rice soup for him. He was very sad and was surprised that I had stopped. He says, I took him to his home. It was about three kilometers away, and upon arriving... All of his relatives fled the house immediately. We'll find out in a minute why that happened. He says, I found an old mat and I laid it out for him to lay on. And then I told the man about Christ's love for him and shared the gospel. Before leaving, I gave the man my address. Three days later, the man came to my home to thank me. And he shared this with me out of his life. So this is the man who was laying on the sidewalk. He says this. When I went to Balak to work at a coffee plantation, my wife left me for another man. I was very sad and I turned to alcohol. When I would get drunk, I would verbally abuse my relatives, even my parents. That's why they fled the home that day. They didn't even want to be around their own son. He says, my life has been eaten up with bitterness. But when you gave me the soup, I was encouraged by your kindness and I wished I were you. So I would like to receive the Lord and become a member of your church. His name is Bobo Hong. That's him right there. That's the guy that was laying on the sidewalk. The man on the right is the preacher with his hands out, and that's also Bobo's father and mother there in the picture. Bobo got saved that day, but the story doesn't end there. Three weeks later, Bobo's parents invited me back to their house. Listen to this. They welcomed me in and wanted to know what kind of soup I fed to their son because his life had been changed since he ate the soup. He had given up alcohol and was no longer verbally abusive. That's the transforming power of the gospel. Magnia says, I explained the gospel to them and told them it wasn't the soup, it was the power of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, his parents and five siblings confessed their sins and received Christ as Lord and Savior. His family and he live in the Song Dong district. Amen. Good news from a far country. I just... I want to encourage you this morning as I close in a word of prayer. You know, we don't know how God might use a simple act of compassion. You know, Magnia pulls his motorbike over. He's willing to spend a few minutes with this guy, spend some time with him. It takes time to spend with people, doesn't it? Uh, a Christian in a third world country once said that uh, Christians in America have watches, but they don't have time. We need to spend time with people here in our areas. 
But Magnia pulls his motorbike over. He buys a bowl of rice soup for this guy. Just a simple act of loving compassion. But God translates that into the salvation of an entire family. Little as much when God is in it. I just want to thank you again for allowing me to be here this morning. Thank you so much for uh, your attentiveness. And I'll be at the table out in the Vietnamese-type humidity following the service, okay? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the gospel that's been entrusted to us, 1 Thessalonians 2.4. And I pray that you'd help us to be faithful in sharing that good news with others. Oh God, oh God, would you reach the unreached? Oh God, would you give us a burden for people who so desperately need you? And oh God, would you give us the courage and the compassion to get out of our own comfort zones and just talk about you and share your love with others, more maybe than what we already are. Oh God, would you keep your hand upon this church? We thank you for what you're doing here at Community Bible Church. Glory to Jesus. And I pray, oh God, that you continue to cause this place to shine as a great lighthouse in this community and through their missions efforts globally around the world. And for all that you would do, we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.